I want to start off by celebrating our Minister of Operations, Trent Shively, as today is his 10th anniversary on staff. Uh, Yeah, he's a great man of God, a great servant, a great leader. We have been blessed to have him for a full decade now. Glad to have you if you're with us new for the first time, and if you're online, welcome to you. Uh, As we're talking about drugs today, hope this is just the start of a new habit for you, but a good one, all right, because we are conflicted about drugs. And this series we've been in on being conflicted, this is the last message in this series. It's gotten, a, I think, a really good response, but this is one, too, where, you know, there's two sides to it. They can, they can be a blessing, they can be a curse, depending on what you use them for. And when I talk about drugs, I'm really talking about any intoxicants, okay, alcohol, weed, all of it. They can either make you feel better or they can make you feel miserable. And the most talked about one, of course, has been marijuana since it was legalized in the state not that long ago. You know, we're talking about being conflicted about its medicinal use, its recreational use. Some claim that it's a, real, uh, it's a good thing, it's a euphoric feeling that enhances your energy, that uh, makes you more creative, unlocks your mind. I mean, think about how many songs we wouldn't have if it weren't for drugs. Let's face it, we wouldn't have any Beatles music at all if it weren't for drugs, because those guys were never sober. But it doesn't mean it's necessarily a good thing. I mean, a lot of people will talk about also how it makes them feel just miserable. They're groggy and foggy and, and anxious and depressed and paranoid. And when the high wears off the next day, they have trouble all day processing things. So you got people who start off using drugs or alcohol because it makes them feel good. But then, as you know, they get trapped into this compulsive behavior and they become addicts or become alcoholics. And, and by the way, we have a group here for many years Christ-centered group that helps people going through recovery, dealing with any kind of habits called living in the light. Would encourage you to check it out, even though during this COVID time they haven't been able to meet. We also have this website that we set up sometime back called Only God Can Help. That for people dealing with any kind of problems, all kinds of helpful resources on there. Now I know what I'm talking about today can trigger some debate, some discussion. I'm not going to get into all the dangers of alcohol and drugs. Uh, of addiction and the harm that it does to society, of uh, the broken families and destroyed lives, the crime, the lost productivity, the deaths. I mean, we can all agree. We're not conflicted. That's bad. Nobody wants any of that. Some uh, of you actually are, have come out of that. You're in recovery or you've been delivered from addiction, and we praise God for that. But what I only have time really to focus on today is how Christians are conflicted over the use of intoxicants. Some Some here uh, are are probably conflicted about whether marijuana should have even been legalized because I know the vote here in Michigan was just like over 55%. So, you know, it's pretty split on that. And now that it's legal, we would expect that usage is going to increase as people feel like it's okay, even though still nationally, federally, it's, it's still illegal. But I'm telling you, it's, it's big business. Some, someone just told me recently, Brett, if you want to get really financially prepared for retirement, you need to invest in cannabis. And I'm probably right, because it's making a ton of money right now. I'm not going to do that. But it has certainly gained a lot more acceptance over the past several years due to its um, medicinal or therapeutic value. In fact, some in our church use it that way, and they sing the praises of CBD, the oils and the edibles and all that, because it relieves their symptoms and, and makes them feel better without getting them high. Someone else told me that since marijuana is a plant on the earth, that it's okay with God. I'm like, well, you know, there's a lot of plants on the earth that I wouldn't ingest. Poison ivy or uh, milkweed or or, or kale, for that matter. That's even questionable. No. So 
yeah, it's a good thing for some people on a personal level. That's wonderful. But come on, we know on a grander scale, it's not going to be good for society, for public health, mental health, for family life, for children and the next generation. How do I know it's not going to be good? Because alcohol is not good for society. Look at, look at all the damage that it's done, and yet it's legal. So this isn't really an argument about whether it should be legal or not, okay? I mean, should people be in jail for smoking weed? Well, probably not any more than anybody should be in jail for drinking alcohol. It's kind of the same thing, I know. But what I'm saying is that I don't think we can even begin to imagine the impact a stoner culture is going to have uh, and, and how much of a gateway it's going to be to worse things as more people feel encouraged and even pressured to smoke it, vape it, eat it, and apply it in greater frequency and more concentrated, uh, higher concentration. So... Look, we already know most people drink, and I would say most Christians drink too. Is that okay? Should we? Can I be a sipping saint? Can I be a blazing believer? You know, it, it, if you're not a believer, that's probably not even a consideration for you. But as Christians, we always got to consider more than that. Like, is, is this good for me? Is this something that's going to glorify God? Because Scripture says I'm supposed to glorify God in everything I do. So we've got to consider the wisdom in using. And I would also point out that Scripture tells us as Christians we're to obey the law. So right off the bat, off the table is illegal drugs and underage drinking. We're not going to do that at all, regardless. But what, what I'm saying, too, is, look, just because something is illegal like pot didn't necessarily mean it was morally bad. And just because it's not legal doesn't necessarily make it morally good. All right? I'm, I'm not here to give you a bunch of personal opinions and long lists of rules, what I'm hoping to do is to help us as Christians to think through this in an informed way. All right, so let's start with Scripture. What is clear in Scripture is that abusing alcohol is wrong. Getting drunk is sin. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 5. Be careful, very careful then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And that's a good question to ask, right? Is it wise? making the most of every, every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. All right, so Scripture says don't get drunk on wine. It doesn't specifically say uh, other kinds of drink, but I think the principle is, you know, if you don't get drunk on wine, then you shouldn't, uh, get tipsy on tequila, buzzed on beer, or wasted on whiskey. I think it covers all of that stuff. And I think it would apply to drugs as well. It's not going to list every intoxicant. I don't, I don't think we should get drunk or high on, uh, on weed or, or hash or, or uh, magic mushrooms or ecstasy or uh, high off huffing aerosols or strung out on opioids or coke or any of that. Here's the big idea. We live soberly. We live soberly. That's what God expects us of, uh, of us as Christians. So why? Why is getting wasted wrong? Because we should always be clear-headed, in control, have our wits about us, because when we lose any measure of control, we open ourselves up to worse behaviors, to that debauchery Paul talks about. You lose a little bit of that ability to distinguish right from wrong. Your judgment is impaired because your sensibilities are altered, getting drunk, getting high, leads to further uh, immoralities, bad behaviors. Why? Because of the loss of inhibitions, the, the foggy thinking, the impulsive actions. 
and the dulled spiritual sensitivities. In fact, Paul writes that uh, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And so what are the evidences that you have the Holy Spirit is your amount of self-control. Now, that means you always want to be in control and not be induced into wrong behaviors. Right? I mean, think about it. Would, would you ever be comfortable with a God who ever gets out of control? I mean, even just a little bit out of control. That would be disastrous for us, wouldn't it? If God weren't in complete control. All right, we're called to be like God. So we're always to be in control because God is always in control. And what happens to us under the influence is we give the devil further inroads and opportunities into our lives. Look what the Apostle Peter says. Be alert and sober-minded. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So you can never let your guard down or else your enemy is going to take you down. The Spirit, I think, has trouble getting through to our consciences when we're inebriated. When we, we, we're no longer filled with the Holy Spirit. We've opened ourselves up to false spirits. I'm telling you, I have had people approach me on a number of occasions wanting some sort of spiritual help, wanting prayer, but they were a little bit buzzed. They were a little bit high. And I can't help them during that, when they're like that because they're, they're not thinking straight. Their head's not on right. And yet I'll also say, you know what, there's not a scriptural prohibition against drinking. I think to say that drinking itself is sin is, is going beyond what scripture says. In fact, the psalmist mentions the God who makes human hearts glad with wine. And it seems that Jesus himself drank wine. Okay. But I would also remind you, or maybe let you know for the first time, wine back then was way different than wine today. Uh, there was very low alcohol content in wine in first century Palestine. In fact, some would say it would take, they'd mix it with three parts water to one part wine. So it took a whole lot of drinking to get drunk. Not so today, because the alcohol industry has been pretty effective at jacking up the alcohol content of all kinds of liquors, right? And here, we don't use wine in our communion every week. Why? Because the word wine isn't used at the Last Supper. It's called the fruit of the vine. And even if the word wine were used, that doesn't always necessarily mean it's an alcohol beverage. So what I'm saying is a Christian does have liberty to drink in moderation without getting drunk. But it may still not be beneficial. So Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 10, 23, I have the right to do anything, you say, uh, but not everything's beneficial. And I think I could make a case for not drinking at all being a teetotaler based on the principles about wisdom. Going all the way back to the Proverbs, it says, Wine is a mocker and beer a brawler. Whoever is led away by them is not wise. And let's face it, we are sinful humans, which means we are much more prone to abuse something than to use something. All right, to, to overdrink than to drink in moderation. And so Christians who want to keep a biblical view should either drink moderately without drunkenness or abstain totally. In fact, from the time I was a teenager, I made the choice not to drink at all because of my witness to others. I I've been blessed that I've never really even been tempted to drink. It's never even appealed to me. And full disclosure, I've never, I've never tried any illegal drugs. I've never smoked any pot. Um, I think I puffed a cigarette once when I was a little kid just to see what it was like and that was enough. Um, 
At 12 years old, my stepmom let me have a sip of wine for New Year's and another sip of champagne at a wedding. But that's it. Never drank since then. Never been drunk. Which means I never had to worry about acting like a fool in front of people, at least for that reason. I never had to worry about... Um, what I did the night before or said the night before, never had to suffer through a hangover, never had to have my family worry about, you know, abusing them or saying terrible things to them because I've been drinking. Your family has never had to worry about encountering me on the road drunk because I don't drink. And guess what? I've saved a ton of money. I mean, and calories by not drinking. Not that I haven't found other ways to, to have calories. I have. Uh, but haven't had to do it that way. So... More than that, here's why I, I chose not to drink. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. I never wanted to put a stumbling block in front of anybody else. I've wanted to set a good example for them, especially for young people and for those struggling with alcohol and addictions. I, I've wanted to aspire to something more than that. In fact, Scripture says that elders are not given to wine, and I think every Christian ought to aspire to the moral characteristics of an elder. In the same way, in the Old Testament, the kings of Israel were not supposed to drink because of their leadership responsibilities. And the priests, when they were on duty in the tabernacle, were not supposed to drink. It's my conviction that it's wiser not to drink at all. But that's not my rule for you, and that's not my point today. There are times when it is wrong to drink, and that's when your conscience prohibits it. Then it becomes wrong for you. Paul says in Romans 14, everything that doesn't come from faith is sin. And if it were to cause a weaker or younger Christian to stumble, that you've, you've set a bad example for them, or your witness in front of an unbeliever is harmed, then it becomes wrong because it's not all about you we got to think about others as well. Paul used this principle, again, in Romans 14. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. And you know what? I think it's always good practice to question why you do what you do. What's your motive? What's your intent? Why are you drinking? Think before you drink. Why, why, why am I drinking? Is it for refreshment? Well, I mean, there's a lot of other beverages you could have for refreshment. Is it because I want to feel better, that it helps me unwind, take the edge off? Is it, is it because you kind of need an artificial personality to be a more pleasant person to be around? All right. Maybe it's because you're not in control of your emotions. Are those the best reasons to drink? I could go back to the 1800s to the poet Edgar Allan Poe. He says, here's why I drink. It has been the desperate attempt to escape from torturing memories, from a sense of insupportable loneliness, and a dread of some strange impending doom. Well, isn't there a better way to deal with reality than just to escape it? I mean, aren't we robbing ourselves of opportunities to mature and grow if we don't go through difficult things like that? I mean, we've seen that in the last few months, haven't we, when, with this pandemic? We've seen these headlines, like this one said, more Americans turning to drugs and alcohol as coronavirus stress rises. That's how they're dealing with it. Another one said, survey shows more people are using drugs and alcohol to cope with stress, boredom, and mental health issues. 
And another headline, drug overdoses climb during COVID-19 pandemic. None of that's good. So what is a legitimate use for drugs of any kind? Well, I think we have to distinguish motive and intent. Is it for recreational purposes, to get high, to get drunk? Is it for medicinal purposes? I mean, I, I have a prescription for drugs. I take drugs for my headaches since I've had when I was a teenager. And man, am I thankful for those drugs. I really am. They have been a blessing. My wife and my son take meds every day. It's a wonderful thing. You know, therapeutic drugs are prescribed by doctors. Why? To relieve pain and to bring healing. So legitimate, that's good. Yes, they have the potential to get people dependent and hooked, but that's not the intent. That's not the motive behind it. So even with prescription drugs, got to be careful not to abuse them, to follow the directions, uh, be cautious, and try to avoid drugs as much as you can and take as low doses as possible. Because here, here in 1 Timothy 5.23, the Apostle Paul counsels Timothy and says, hey, stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and frequent illnesses. So it had a medicinal value, right? Back then, you might know water was not, you know, always a healthy thing. It wasn't purified and filtered like we have today. And, and in fact, the alcohol had that, you know, germ-killing kind of thing, even though it was very low alcohol content. And of course, today we still use alcohol uh, for, for medicinal reasons. I mean, there are other ways to treat stomach ailments now. You, you know, chug a little Pepto or, or pop a couple of previces or something, but it's still used in cough syrups and allergy medications, in uh, uh, cold sore analgesics and laxatives. I mean, we, we still got alcohol. In fact, doctors may even tell you, drink a little bit of wine, it's good for your heart. Okay, maybe it is, maybe it is. It, don't start drinking, though, just for some supposed health benefits, because you know how those studies go. They reverse them every few years back and forth. And also, I would check your motives. If you're saying, well, I'm drinking for my heart. Well, are you, are you also exercising for your heart? <laughs> are you really that concerned about your heart? How much junk food are you eating? All right, let's, let's do an attitude check on that. Because what I'm saying, if wine can be recommended in Scripture for medicinal uses, I, I, I guess I don't really see any difference between that and cannabis, if it's being used medicinally as well. I mean, there is that THC element in it, which is a psychoactive compound that gets you high, but then there's a CBD element in it that uh, is supposed to be helpful without getting you high, and I'm not a medical doctor, and I can't really speak into that, and I don't even feel comfortable debating the potential medical benefits. I'm gonna leave that to others who are more qualified. I've heard from some, it's wonderful to use, and others, not so much. But I guess I'm saying I don't see any real distinction uh, between uh, cannabis and, and alcohol and all those things if it's used in the right way, if it's prescribed in the right way. Uh, you, okay, if it helps you medicinally, great, but that doesn't give you permission to start taking bong hits just for fun, all right? There's a difference there. And I think we have to consider another side to, to these positive benefits. For example, the American Journal of Psychiatry study showed that people who use cannabis are more likely to start using opioids later. Not saying there's a cause and effect here, but I don't think any of us would doubt the fact that people who get into harder drugs typically do start with pot 
I mean, it's, it's just a progression sometimes. And recently, you know, we've, we've seen these headlines, like back in December, the Detroit Free Press said, is marijuana linked to psychosis and schizophrenia? It's contentious, but doctors and feds say yes. And then just this past month, another headline, massive study finds 50% increase in autism among children whose mothers use marijuana while pregnant. And then in a recent New York Times op-ed by Alex Berenson, he mentions that back in the 1970s and 80s, marijuana generally contained less than 5% THC, but now it's being sold legally in dispensaries at up to 25%. THC content. So it's been way jacked up. He said it's like the difference between having a beer and having a martini. So again, we got to be cautious. Eleanor McCants Katz, who is the Department of Health and Human Services uh, medical officer, she's the top person there, said it's time for Americans to understand there are substantial risks with marijuana. Everyone should at least be aware of the risks, just like with smoking, right? We put those warning labels labels on, the, on cigarette packs, right? Even though most people who smoke don't get lung cancer, they need to know the risk. And yet pot is being sold without those kinds of warnings. I mean, look at the prescription drugs we take and all the warnings. If you've seen on the commercials, you know, the list of side effects and the announcers on the radio, blah, 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 going through all those side effects so quickly, right? There's risks. And I think the claims that marijuana is completely harmless is a little bit naive and counterintuitive. Because look how many years it took for science to document all the harmful effects of tobacco. And we're still kind of early into this marijuana thing and how potentially addictive it may be or at least creating psychological dependencies and and habits. What's my point? Paul asked this in 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. But apart from the harm, potentially, that drugs can do to our body, we've got to ask, what is it doing to my mind and to my soul? Because unlike wine and beer, the effects of pot and other drugs and intoxicants can have a much faster, greater effect on us. I mean, you're already, within a couple minutes, starting to feel it, the brain fog, the slower reaction time. So, you know, we'll ask, is a mild buzz okay in God's eyes? Well, let me ask, how would you feel if you knew that right before I came up here, I had a cocktail or a martini shaken, not stirred? How would you feel if you knew I took a couple of puffs before I came up here? A couple of hits. Would you be as apt to believe what I'm saying? Would you trust my word as much? Would there be some doubt? All right. Maybe you'd even lose some respect for me. And just to be clear, I did not use anything before I came up here. I will be honest, I had a couple of Tylenol. All right, but I think I'm good. Look, we have to be cautious because we're always representing God, no matter where we are. And so, like, you might even get in your group and you're talking theology while having some wine or you're passing a joint while you're praying. I mean, is that, is, does that really mix well with a serious study of God's Word? What if we just cracked open a few beers right now? Come on, a few brewskis. What's the harm? 
Not the time or the place, right? Okay. Just got to be cautious because our purpose has got to be to glorify God in everything we do. And I can't do that when I'm buzzed. I want to honor God with my body. I want to honor him with my mind. And I want my comfort and peace and joy to come from knowing Jesus, not escaping reality. And I want to bring all my burdens and problems and stress and anxiety to Jesus, not to Jack Daniels or to Mary Jane. That, that's, that's not where it comes from. I mean, Jesus wants us to bring it all to him so that he can help us face reality with, with his grace, with his power, and find relief find peace, find freedom from our bondage. He's the one that can fill that void in our lives. So look, again, I'm not here to bind rules on anybody. This isn't about legalism. I want us to see, if, look, if we're going to please God, we got to make sure we are filled with the Holy Spirit, that we are under His influence. Whose influence are you under? What are you under the influence of? The Christian controlled by the Spirit says this, 1 Corinthians 6, 12, I will not be mastered by anything. By anything. That includes smoking, food, gambling, even gaming, and social media. I will not be mastered by anything. My mind is always prepared for action. 1 Peter 1, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. And I am always alert, 1 Thessalonians 5. Let us be awake and sober for those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. We live soberly. We discipline our bodies to bring them under our control. And we set our minds on things above. Because our goal in life is not to see how far away we can get from God without crossing over that line into sin. Our goal is to see how close we can get to God. So let's pray about that. Father, would you help us to glorify you in, in everything we do? We always want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and be a good witness for you everywhere we go, God. I want to pray for those who are suffering that you would relieve their pain. And we know that you can do that instantly, but that so often you do it through the blessing of medicines and medical workers and treatment. So God, I want to thank you for drugs that, that truly help us. But God, help us to be cautious and not to indulge in anything that's going to make us lose control or, or induce us to do something wrong. God, give us wisdom. Give us restraint. I want to pray for protection for our families and our culture, from, from those who are abusing these things and causing harm. God, deliver those who are addicted as they turn to you. And would you prevent our young people from even getting messed up in drugs and alcohol to begin with? Let people know they can turn to you instead of trying to find relief and escape through, through getting drunk and, and getting high. We're still praying, but if you're struggling with these kinds of things, would you pray with me and say, Lord, I, I don't think I can change on my own. I'm trusting you to take away this problem I have. I'm turning to you and I'm turning away from my, my old life, my sin, my slavery to these habits. Deliver me, Lord. I'm sorry for the choices I've made. Would you forgive me and come into my life, Lord Jesus? I'm, I want to follow you. And I pray it in that name. Amen. And I want you to know how much God, well, if he made you and he loves you, 
and you matter to him. You have worth and value in his sight. And it doesn't matter what you've done or how far away from God you've gone. He sent his son into this world to die in your place on the cross to forgive you of your sins. So don't waste this one life you've been given. Make it count. Would you let God do for you what you can't do for yourself to redeem you? Would you put your trust and faith in him and let him be the Lord of your life. Let him fill you and use you. Repent of those sins. Turn away from that and be baptized into Christ and receive those promises. And if you, if you want to get that taken care of today, we would love to help you. So reach out to us. Text that number, 734-304-7248 or email us next at southpointccc.com because somebody would love to help you, answer your questions, pray with you help you to get baptized this very day or you can go out in the lobby after this service in rooms a b c or d and there'll be somebody there waiting for you to help you take your next step all right now next week we're going to talk about how to protect your most important possession which is your heart and then in two weeks we start that new series called supernatural that's going to help us understand our core beliefs the essentials about God as Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I want you to get in a group during that time too because we've got some good discussion questions to help you apply what you're going to be learning during that time. Go to that groups.southpointccc.com, all right? So uh, on your way out today, remember to social distance. Be sure to bless somebody on your way out. Stay connected to God and to us and invite somebody next week. We'll see you then.